as we begin our episode, we find ourselves around a campfire. It's been a day or two since the uh, tense confrontation with Makar, and the group are on their way north to the capital of Udril, where they intend to take on Clan Royal and see if they can recover a piece of the Rod of Seven Parts. But in this moment, on this evening, Alan has put his foot down. Alan has decided, you know what we need is at least one evening to just rest. And so, together, you started a campfire. Vox got all edgy and wandered back into the cart to sharpen knives or something. And now you're just sitting around enjoying the pleasant warmth, the breeze blowing gently across your faces, s'mores being roasted over the campfire, a key lime pie, maybe some brookies. And as you're sitting there just enjoying your kind of pleasant repose, if you will, it's Alan who starts the conversation off. And he just, you know, he takes a takes a deep breath, a little sigh, and he goes, what do you think is the most intense story that we've ever been through? What do you think is the craziest thing that we've been through? Can you remember a story that stuck out to you from our experiences together? Because for me, like, I really remember that one time. Do you, do you guys remember Elliot Orchid? Do you remember him? He was that guy in Tumbleweb. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Named. I just feel like that story of how we rescued him. I mean, it's a good story, but I feel like, you know, it'd be great if we... Well, let, let me let me tell you how I remember it. Dream sequence. His name was Fox. Just Fox. Agent 00F. And he was trapped in the secret lair of his enemies about to be captured and presumably tortured by his greatest arch enemy yet, Mavira. But while his team of special operatives waited for him above ground, they realized that they needed to extract him to save him. Zothkug, using his highly specialized ear, in-ear technology, contacted Fox before he went dark, letting him know that they would be there to get him, but they would need to regroup and come up with a plan for this impossible mission. So they go back to their base of operations. They go back to the secret lair. They go back to where they get their gadgets and where they make their plans. And they meet up with one of the other people that they did successfully extract in their first mission, Elaine Mollusk. A brilliant, brilliant spy, a brilliant strategist, a genius, who, after she wakes up, reveals to them the depth of the evil villain's plan. World domination, of course. We knew that already, but something deeper, plainer domination, something that the likes of Agent 00F had never faced before, but his team his team was ready, ready to extract him. However, before they can get to 00F, there's another man that they must seek out. Elliot Orchid, the genius scientist. There's always a genius scientist that is being used to develop some sort of weapon. In this case, not a weapon, but an antidote to the evil plot. But of course, they had already sent one of their best agents to, to grab him. However, 
while they were speaking on this, a deep cover agent that the agents of Double OF had sent out to find Orchid came back with the lead. It was time for a car chase. That's the sound of epic music as they drove down the streets of Tumbleweb in their Aston Martin, chasing down Sharkarly with Elliot Orchid trapped in the back of her trunk. Eventually, they caught up to her, ran her to the side of the road, gunned her vehicle down with the chain guns that were hidden behind their 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 headlights, of, of course, obviously. Gatling guns are always behind headlights. And they rescued Elliot Orchid from her trunk, untied him, carried him back to the base. And while they walked back, their deep cover agent planted a couple of explosives, shot at them without looking away, or without looking at them, and they slowly walked away as the explosion billowed and Shark Harley was no more. No need to worry about her anymore. They have a license to kill. But, as they return back to their base, they start thinking of Agent 00F again, and how soon they will begin their impossible mission of extracting him. Yeah, that was crazy when that happened. That's exactly how it went. So for you viewers at home, in case you're wondering what's going on, we rolled an episode of the podcast, each person did, and then they rolled a genre. They have to retell that episode, embellishing as they choose in that genre. And so Jake rolled espionage slash James Bond type movies. So he retold the story of Elliot Orchid in the style of an espionage movie, which I think was hilarious. So that's what's going on tonight is you're going to get to hear some uh, loosely embellished versions of what's happened in our podcast. If you have not been watching and are just joining us for the first time tonight and are trying to catch up, um, these are fun, but they're not accurate. (laughs) They're just a good time. They're sort of accurate. The bones are there. Um, But anyway back into character here at the campfire man what do you guys think do you have like a a favorite story that's a little different than i remembered it um yeah well it's exactly how it happened scientifically speaking my memory is the best because i take (laughs) notes on things i mean you're not wrong (laughs) i i can't refute that Uh, i remember it differently too but but i got a story for you all that time we fell down a mile It was a dark and stormy night, but it wasn't storming, and we don't know if it was day or night, but it was definitely dark. (laughs) We all enter into this cavern, unknowingly, what falls below us, and there's a warning, and Zoth's like, man, these warnings are here. For a reason. This warning was about hard hats. You know, keep you safe in case of falling rocks, falling things, who knows. But Fox was Fox was like, nah man, you don't need that. And then Alan suggested that Oryx had tougher skulls than most, and that I would be fine. But Zoth thought to himself, 
that would leave the rest of the party undefended from these falling rocks. So, as a collective, we threw caution aside, threw safety to the wind. We had a mission. Our mission was to see where this went, unknowingly. So we descend, as any natural, normal party would, down these uh, stone steps. Uh, first Alan, then Zoth, then Jeb. And Fox lagged behind a bit because of his fear of heights. Which he will not admit, but he definitely has. Put that on the record. So, as we descend... We uh, get 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 ambushed by by these uh, carrion crawlers, have you? These creepy crawlies, if you will. They're no good. You see, no good at all. They, we uh, remain motionless. There's nowhere to hide. We can't go anywhere. The only way is up or down. So we hold their position on the ledge as they feast on a body to our right on the ledge. Oh, but the party can't stop squirming around. We make some noise. They get spooked. They come over, try and attack us. Zoth kind of stumbles. A pot with Yen, it almost falls off his back. He tries to catch it. He can't. Fox, swift as a cat, grabs it, pulls it back. Zoth takes it, and the carrying crawlers moving quicker and quicker and quicker to the party. Zoth not wanting to lose Yeah again. Besides, he's going to uh, wait, tie it up, and strap it back to on his, on his back. The rest of the party starts descending, but we tied rope around each other, you know, to be safe, to stay together. In case one person fall, the rest of the party could catch him. You see? So the crawlers keep coming and coming. The party's going down. Zoth is still getting Yeah fixed to his back. One of them hits off, and now, unfortunately, he's paralyzed. All he can do is think. Can't move, can't speak, just think. The rest of the party has to plan out their course of action. They see a ledge about 150 feet below them. Jeb's like, we can hit that. So Jeb tells everyone to let go when he says to. And they all jump. Listening to Jeb, trusting his uh, his instinct, his wisdom, his plan that he always seems to have. Zoth is thinking, what's this madman got planned? You see, the only sensible one of the group. But they all jump. Zoth goes with them, still paralyzed, only thinking this is not going to end well. So they start falling, you see? They start falling. There goes that ledge. Way past them. They descend and descend and descend for what feels like eternity because free fall. This cavern, eternal abyss, just black all around except for the wall that we were on. We keep falling and falling and falling and falling. And then Jeb casts a spell, a, a rope trick spell, where a rope comes out of a portal in the sky then Alan has to grab it and hang on, supporting the weight of everyone and himself. It's a, a miracle his arm didn't get completely ripped off. 
but we, we, we get caught and we swing around a little bit and we land inside of a portal. Finally, we get we get to the we get to rest. We we made it like with only two feet to spare off the bottom of the the cavern. We fell a literal mile, which you know any any self-respecting person would uh, be terrified of doing. So, when Zaw snapped out of his paralysis, like a self-respecting man, stayed cool, calm, and collected. Definitely did not freak out at all. But, uh, but Fox, you know, Fox was a little unsettled. Alan, you know, another rock in the group, just stayed strong, dislocated his arm, but, you know, Zoth patched it up like the good medic he is. And Jeb, well, Jeb's the wild card. He obviously wasn't shaken by this, knew it was going to work the whole time, was the plan the whole time. So, the party composing themselves decided to discuss the events of and rest up, you know. One might say a short rest, if you will. <sighs> After our long discussion about um, skipping an entire dungeon that, you know, clearly wasn't planned or anything, we decide to uh, walk onward into the abyss, find out what, what the deal is, get the lay of the land. We uh, run into some floating little tentacle dudes who were uh, very friendly at the start and the end. Uh, they, they were called flumps. We didn't give them names because their hierarchy did not allow for that. So they, they uh, spoke to us asking about our lives, our journey into their world, the Underdark. They're uh, very curious beings by nature. They feed on psionic energy which I still don't understand what that is, but, you know, there's a children's story that Jeff could tell one day. Maybe, if he feels like it. Um, and then they told us about all of the, the dark ones. They told us about the mining company. They gave us they gave us the rundown, you know, the locals. So we're like, oh, thanks, man. And we decided... We'd, we'd uh, investigate this metal contraption that they talked about. The, the the elevation change machine. A machine no one had ever seen before and no one will see again. See, it took you up, ascending, and descending. This metal contraption. You just push a button, you go up. You push a button, you go down. You know, no spell, no magic, all, all mechanical. Wild, man. Wild. Technology these days, am I right? So, after finding that, we uh, made our way on to, into the, uh, the Bright World Company compound, and uh, I believe that is the time that we fell a mile. That was a wild time. It, it, it didn't take very long, but it felt like an, etern an eternity, you know what I mean? Imagine not being able to move, man. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was probably pretty, pretty, pretty scary, I could imagine. But uh, you know what? We've already done it once, and we live yeah. to tell the tale, and that means that uh, we can definitely we can do, do it again. again. It's it's never not worked. You know that's that's the way it is. I 100% agree with you, Chad. <laughs> no one has ever done anything like that since. <laughs> never been done again. Absolutely. Nothing like it. 100%. <laughs> no. Because obviously, 
the party learns from their mistakes. You know, they they would never repeat such a life-threatening event. No, never. You know, it's not like we had an aerial combat in the air, a hundred feet in the air or something. There's never been any long falls. <laughs> what about you, Jeb? Surely you've got a story that stuck out to you. Oh, absolutely. I, I remember this one time, and uh, the lights turn off, and the stage goes black, except for a spotlight on Jebediah Peppermint. You know it. You love it. It's time for the show that the dirt folk crave. Everybody, put your hands together for season two of Rejection, Rejection. Headquarters. Headquarters! Woo! Woo! Welcome to Rejection Hagedors, that's 100% correcto. I am your host, Jebby P, here to guide you through tonight's headquarters as we discover who got rejected. For all the new pups out there, here's the lowdown. Our producers have located the dungeoniest headquarters of the worst villains of Urida and place hidden scry orbs in every room. Let's take a look and see what's going on in the first room. In the first room, we find ourselves in a warehouse. We see a, a sneaky double O F. What's he doing now? He's, he's, he's slipping into a lab coat and changing into a tiefling. I can't remember anything. Kyle? Kyle? The blonde one is, is crawling up next to him. He pretends he falls unconscious. And then uh, one of the guards swoons. An angel has fallen asleep in my arms. Kyle? The planes are converging. The planes are converging. The not green gray one slips through the side door along with the little, uh, the little furry guy. I, th I, I think I'm going to check these runes, guys. Uh, I think I'm going to do that, because I've got Bonkers Arcana. I have Bonkers Arcana. I don't think your Bonkers Arcana is as bonkers as my Bonkers Arcana. While they're examining the map, is their Arcana? Is their Arcana rejected? Will they be able to, to tell whether or not this is going to, to, to function the way they, they want? Arcana not rejected. <laughs> we move back to the warehouse. Alan switches into Fox's clothing. Fox throws a rope around Alan. Uh, Alan screams, I'll kill you! The planes are converging! Where's Dylan? P uh, power! Power needs to be turned off or we'll be wiped from existence! You will be wiped from existence! Will the security goons be rejected and wiped from this existence? Security goons, you have been not rejected. Owlin gets kicked in the face. <laughs> Back in the steam room, Jeb and Zoth are in the stairwell. We have to tell the- we have to, to get the, the scepter and the lore that, uh, that the spirit boys found. Oh no, goons! Zoth gets slammed into the ground and cuffed. Will Zoth's peace be rejected? Guys, can't we just work this out? Peace? You have officially been rejected. Jeb throws a wind-up automaton and it makes this crazy little, he's like, I'm going to scare them with this tiny little toy. I'm going to make it do a creepy sound. Instead, it grows 10 feet tall, winds up and smashes like a hammer to the ground. Will a private security goon be rejected? After your encounter with a face and a hammer and being in between both of those with the floor, your life has been rejected. <laughs> Elaine pops into Jeb's mind and says, the water is causing the problems. I did steal your automaton, uh, Elaine, and I'm not sorry about it. Back upstairs, Alan is going in and out of doors with the private security goons. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. Common sense. Will you be rejected? Does it make sense that <laughs> you should be able to go back and forth in these doors like this? 
No, common sense has not been rejected. Back in the warehouse, with the vault in the back and the rod breaking over an anvil inside, we see a rod and a box of books. Zoth tries to touch it. Will he be rejected by the rod? Will it be too cold for this gray orc's hands to handle? Zoth, your hands have been officially... Rejected. Jeb grabs it. Gets smart. Doesn't feel bad to me. Back up. Jeb messages Alan to make to make their way out. Uh, Elaine asks, what's Alan look like? Jeb says, he's a big guy with a jaw that can change the world. Glowing yellow hair and muscles that could make anybody weep. Jeb, will your clues be rejected? Yes. Elaine says, was he at the party? Yeah, of course he was. Oh, he threw up at my place. I have a sample I can use. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Zoth, we need to blow up the power center. Okay. Alan dashes into the R&D. The private security goons say, hey, wait here. Alan says he does the black ops zombie strategy, which is to run through them and hope not to die and create a herd behind him. Will his strategy be rejected? Will it function the way that he intends? Black ops zombie strategy. Not rejected. Woo! Jeb says, I approve of this plan. Fox keeps trying to deceive his way out of everything. His nat 20 lasts way too long. He keeps fishing for clues from Elaine, but Elaine says, This is funny. I think he's wanting me to give him tips. <laughs> Fox says, The green one! Zoth says, "It's I haven't been green since, since season two! Jeb says, <clears throat> You saw the background color and thought that's what his skin was, right? Fox feels embarrassed. Will his embarrassment overwhelm him? Or will it be rejected? <laughs> Fox, your embarrassment? Not rejected. Whoa! He was very, very embarrassed. You could feel the redness through the podcast. No. Zoth, we've got to divert the water. West to Jeb. <clears throat> uh, can I borrow that? Jeb tosses that up. Thank you. And West disappears. Gray one, we need to divert the water. Uh, we can't, we can't do that. The stuff will overheat. We're gonna stall the assembly lines. What do you know, goon? Will the goon, in his position of authority, be accepted or rejected? Private security <laughs> goon, you have been officially double rejected. Whoa! The goon's head explodes as his mind is blown by Fox's amazing deceptions and by Guest's shotgun. The other goon goes, what? Fox, keep relying on his natural 20 deception, says, The planes are converging! The planes are converging! The other goon goes, Okay! Jeb tries to cool the cubes with ice. It melts. I expected that to happen. Zoth touches a cube with his mace. It melts. Guys, don't touch these cubes. Of course, Grey One, don't you understand what room we're in? Jeez, quick, pull the auxiliary valve! <laughs> the goon says, What's an auxiliary valve? Dang it, it was upstairs. Didn't you see it? Is it labeled? <laughs> yes! Okay! Alright, Zoth, we gotta figure this stuff out now that he's gone. <laughs> Wes says, Do you have a way to make things go boom? Jeb, do you have a way to make things go boom? I could in an hour. Will his hourly plan of making something go boom be rejected, or will it be accepted? Jeb, your plan of waiting an hour has been... Rejected. Aww. I don't think we have an hour. Jeb says, then no. I could try something if you want to steer, if you want to stand clear, Zoth says. A guiding bolt crushes in and explodes the, uh, something that I didn't write down and water rushes everywhere. 
Elaine says, I think you should go, Al. Go now. Fox to the goon upstairs. You pulled the right lever! Jeb says, dude, forget it. Let's go. Back in the warehouse, Owlin is barreling through the horde of zombies, I mean, the horde of security goons, creating a sizable, uh, sizable horde behind him, barreling through shelves and knocking everything over. Uh, which way do we go? I think we're taking the back door. We move now to the assembly line. Everything is a little crazy. Ranks of automatons are taking a knee with spears. A line behind are holding guns, with, but nobody fires. It's quiet. Reverberating through the chamber is a loud engine from the loading dock. Mavira lands with a, a burning sword and ice sword and forms up goons. Jeb maths with the lady math symbols. Projected Abolith shows up. You think you've changed anything? Do you not know that I am the god from before there were gods? Do you not know the pathetic waste of space that you are? Do you now realize that you have done me a great favor? They've displaced the scepter. Seize it! Jeb throws iron bands of Belera at Mervira. Will her ability to move be rejected? Will she be unable to move? Will she continue in her fight with the private security goons and be a jerk for another day? Her movement has been rejected. From the power room, an explosion erupts, shredding through the eastern flank of the automatons. West, West surfs the explosion, tearing through them with guns. Bam, bam, boom, 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 bam, bam, boom. The cipher truck rams into the room, led by none other than Franklin Webb, Mr. Prophecy himself, Elaine, Elliot, and Annabelle, wielding a flamethrower. <laughs> Owlin goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mavira, trading blows. Ta chu chu cha Zoth holds her. With an embrace. No, with a spell of embrace. No, with a spell of hold person. Owlin nat 20s on her. Owlin takes his time, lining her up like a t-ball, and shatters her shoulder piece. Jeb throws the iron bands, captures uh, Mavira, and says, Owlin, let's bring her with us. Fox, you mad lad. Fox goes to west. The two spin back to back, firing into the automatons. A bullet goes through Jeb's hat. We all get to the cipher truck. Jeb, Adventurers, we are leaving! Owlin hikes Mavira over his shoulder and takes her with him. The cipher truck that Jeb has fobbed pulls in front of them, ready to leave. Fox gets shot up, like a lot. Will Fox's life be rejected? Fox, your life, in servitude and saving of West, is not rejected. Owlin becomes Master Chief in a warthog as he runs everything over. Fox says to Zoth, I need you to carry West! Take care of her for me. Zoth heals Fox and West. Fox goes from 18 HP to 0 HP to 18 HP. <laughs> Franklin Webb pulls up, runs over Atonabatons with a 13-point turn. Eek Everyone loads up in the back. Explosion from a massive firearm arm. It would have killed Zoth, but it was deflected by a serval that wild-shaped into shale. Everyone here, in danger, tries to escape, but they, in fact, do. As they ride into the distance, they read the Sermon of Dices, the Rod of Seven Parts. Will this Sermon of Dices be short and concise and be accepted for the abridged version that it is? No, it will be nine whole minutes of monologue. Thank you all so much for watching. I've been Jebby P, and don't forget, I mean, it's never not worked. That was so good. Jebby P, man? I mean, you know, it's just the thing I came up with, you know. I mean, that's the way I remember it. Like, if, so if, I, I, you know, if we ended up casting minor image in a box and had to, like, retail the legend of our stories, I thought, you know, I would, I would find somebody better looking.
to play Jeb, and then, you know, I would be like, to not be confusing, I'd be JBP, you know, to like... What do you mean, you man? You're, you're good looking. Well, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I would want it to be someone really good looking, though, you know, <laughs> like, some, like, really good looking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I'll probably be older and, you know, I won't have that younger spirit or, you know, whatever. Could, do you think I could uh, uh, get a recap of season one? You know, I'm really Somewhere up in the clouds, went. the voice of God himself booms <laughs> down. I'm just kidding. Um, I did. <laughs> no, no, I meant the uh, season one of the, the, oh. the reality <laughs> show. Oh, oh yeah. That was yeah, some... I mean, that, that, yeah. Yeah, when, it, when it comes out, like, that, we should definitely watch that together. We don't get eat grapes and yeah, popcorn man. Like, and stuff. like you know i love season two but i gotta catch up see yeah what i know I right i know that's that's the whole thing it's like you know the prequel right you start at season two get them one more and then i feel like it gets like fomo in there and they kind of like why yeah. where it even happened season one it's like oh it was like it was it was only shown in like a like a basement viewing of a, like a private residence or something like that it was probably mollusk uh, yeah. manor right probably like mollusk one of those manor. like yeah. you know rich person yeah. parties yeah a little they popcorn and manor. some uh intolerable volcano or whatever that stuff was called i never yeah. remember the beginning of the name of it because it's unholy uh, unholy there it was yeah yeah that stuff yeah <laughs> Which I mean, it's blasphemous. Yeah. That's why you wouldn't remember it. Well, obviously, oh uh, well, that makes know, sense. You're trying to be respectful. That, that works too. Thank God. But yeah, yeah. This intolerable volcano is the Will Mart oh. knockoff version of it. <laughs> <laughs> Will Mart has officially been spoken into canon. <laughs> Will Mart's in the world now. <laughs> yeah, they have their 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 good value line of stuff. Yeah. If you can yeah. will it, you can mart it. That's right. That's right. Where there's a will, there's a mart. They have a pullback and yep. go guarantee. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, he's off. Uh, we've, we've sure been through a lot, man. Like, it's... Uh, it's yeah, man. Yeah. It's been crazy. I didn't do... This isn't in character because I'm the GM. I don't really have a character to jump in here with. But I did write a recap of season one as a whole for the people who might be joining us who are Ooh. new. And because I've wanted to make a season one recap in its entirety, like since we started season two, in case people join us now and don't want to watch all of season one to get here. So I'm going to real quick read that out. And at the end, uh, if you guys think I missed any important moments or whatever, feel free to comment or even interrupt if you want to like, you know, embellish or whatever. Um, but here's... So what you're saying is, is if if we missed anything, feel free to to like what you've done, right? And saying it, and then to comment, yeah, and then to like possibly subscribe, <laughs> or uh, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. okay. To do nice. it in that, in, not necessarily in that order, like not in any order that in makes that order. you feel good. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So like you could subscribe and then in, and then like it. You so know, you or you could comment, and now that it is a bit more complete due to your comment, then you could like it. Uh, and maybe yeah, because like, you, you might know, like it more at that point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you got a lot yeah. of options here. Follow along, and you, you could even like it to bits, if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. you totally yeah. could. That would totally be an option. Um, yeah. yeah. I also didn't prepare any like epic music to go behind it, so I'm gonna quick just pull up my royalty-free music site and like I'm gonna literally type in epic and see what it gives me. <laughs> We're gonna see whether. Whether the will the epic music be accepted or rejected, <laughs> that's <laughs> what we're gonna do. I yeah, we got one here. We're gonna click play and see if it's any good. I have no idea what we're listening to. I'm this here is for literally, it. I'm you ready. know what? Let me set it to be all instrumental, just so we don't have anyone singing to us. Here we go. <laughs> <clears throat> 
The Winged Badger Tavern follows the story of a mole folk wizard named Jebediah Peppermint, an Azamar barbarian named Alan Wadrier, an orc cleric named Zothkug Hibbub, and a changeling rogue named Fox, in a world created with the Twitch chat called Urida. These four adventurers are investigating a world-shaking event known as the Darkening, in which all magic vanished from Urida, along with any connection to the gods. The investigation led them into a complicated network of tunnels, abandoned by Jebediah's kin, the Dirt Folk. In these tunnels, which crisscrossed the western third of Urida comprehensively, they uncovered several clues. They first discovered trace amounts of magic hidden in the floors of secret rooms built into the old tunnels. From an addict, they learned an organization called the Bright World Company was mining a volatile new material called Sacrium, which in its raw form could be used as a drug that created surges of wild magic. In the dirt folk town of Redhill, they learned of the Summit Banking Guild. This company was refining Sacrium into tokens called Wingle Digits, which could be traded like currency or used as fuel for new devices called ciphers. When fueled by these new Wingle Digit tokens, ciphers allowed the user to cast magic. It was the goal of the Summit Banking Guild to make Wingle Digits the new standard currency. In the course of their investigation, Zothkug the Cleric saw several visions of three creatures in great peril, avatars of the gods. When one of these avatars locked eyes with Zoth and asked him for help, save the entrapped avatars of the gods got added to the to-do list. In order to learn more about Wingle Digits, our heroes ventured into the Underdark, where the Bright World Company were mining their sacrium. After getting directions from some friendly flumps to one of these grimy dig sites, the party posed as new employees and joined the security detail. They used this new position to poke around the dig site and learned that there were 10 dig sites arrayed in a perfect decagon centered on the dirt folk capital city of Tumbleweb. Jebediah and Alan were also able to learn about the process of refining sacrium and the creation of ciphers. After being caught snooping around the site supervisor's office, they stole a series of plans and notes and fled deeper into the Underdark. Throughout their time in the Underdark, they saw several strong creatures slain and rotting near the waterways. Thinking to take a shortcut to Tumbleweb, which seemed to be the center of the conspiracy, the party traveled through Kyvan's hunt, and they met Kyvan, an ancient serpent that hoarded knowledge. To be allowed to pass, they had to tell him something that he did not already know. And it was Fox who had the brilliant idea of sharing Zothkug's visions, which Kaivin literally couldn't know because only Zothkug had seen them and they'd only been shared with Alan, Jebediah, and Fox. Then Fox managed to trick Kaivin into revealing some important history leading up to the Darkening, including the fact that somehow the Merfolk had angered the gods and that there were creatures called Aboleths who had snuck into the world of Urida despite having been thought banished from it for many years. More importantly, Kaivin confirmed for the first time that the Darkening was a planned, intentional event. Magic didn't just disappear, it was stolen. So when they arrived in Tumbleweb at last, Jebediah's hometown, the place he'd left before the Darkening, they found the city bustling with industry. The Summit Banking Guild had moved in and Wingle Digits were already the preferred currency of the town. Several local millionaires seemed likely suspects for financially backing the Darkening because of how heavily they'd profited from these new Wingle Digits. The key suspects were narrowed down to two. First, there was Jess Basin, the halfling CEO of local shipping and distribution company Thames. Jess had announced a sudden expansion of her company built on the concept of using ciphers to aid in deliveries. The second suspect was Elaine Mollusk, gnome leader of transportation company Edison. She was known to be stealing intellectual property from a local laboratory space. 
and she was producing the cipher trucks that allowed Thames to travel so much further than other merchant convoys. To investigate, the party decided to infiltrate the 1%. They snuck into parties at Basin Estate and Mollusk Manor. They split up, with Fox and Zothkug breaking into Jess Basin's party while Owlin and Jebediah went to a wine tasting at Mollusk Manor. In the lead up to the party, Fox and Jebediah robbed one of the Summit Banking Guild locations for 100,000 wingle digits, which they spent the bulk of to pay off Jebediah's gambling debts. They also purchased transportation for themselves, a top-of-the-line cipher truck for medicine. At the wine tasting, Owlin made a diversion so that Jeb could sneak into Mollusk Manor and look around. Among his discoveries was a prototype construct, a sort of security warrior, and a few unexplainable magical phenomena. At the same time, across town, Fox and Zothkug snuck into a well-to-do celebration at the Basin Estate. While Zothkug mingled with the locals, supposedly looking for rumors of Basin's activity, but in reality just flirting with a dwarvish princess from a far-off land, Fox discovered a secret area beneath the estate where several people had been kidnapped and were now imprisoned, including Elaine Mollusk herself. He determined that Basin was enslaved by the Aboleths and was now attempting to get Mollusk enslaved as well. In his attempts to rescue them, Fox was discovered, captured, and imprisoned while his three companions regrouped to try and figure out a plan. The newly rescued Elaine Mollusk used some of her Wingle Digit technology to allow the party to scry on Fox, who they determined was in some kind of stone cell deep underground. To find where he might be hidden, they joined forces with a group known as the Grey Watch, legendary heroes from Jeb's childhood stories come to life. They discovered a lair hidden beneath the city, entered through the wells. Led by Shale, a member of this Grey Watch, Jeb, Allen, and Zothkug dove into the muck to try and find their friend. Instead, they found the lair of the Aboleths. Fox, who was staging an escape attempt of his own, connected with the party while they were fighting for their lives, and all together they barely made it out of the underground lake where these Aboleths had made their home. They fled through the first door they found, and it led them into an entire underground research facility. Enslaved Edison artificers were creating refined versions of Elaine Mollusk's prototype security guard, but these constructs were soldiers, powered by wingle digits. They were then loaded onto shipping trucks operated by Thames, where they would travel off to who knows where. In the course of the escape, our heroes discovered a storage room full of hidden scrolls, including prophecies that had vanished from the world of Urda. Among them was a sermon about a relic created by the gods, the Rod of Seven Parts, which was used to banish the Aboleths. Even crazier, they discovered a piece of that rod in the same vault. After passing a trial, Jebediah was able to seize the rod, and armed now with a method of defeating the Aboleths and possibly restoring magic to the world of Urida, the group fled. Deciding that they needed more creatures to help in their quest, Alan, Jeb, Fox, and Zothkug incorporated a dungeon-delving business called Four Guys Ventures and Vibes. They fast-tracked the paperwork by leveraging Zothkug's royal contact in the distant dwarven land of Gaim, and they appointed a Myconid they'd grown quite fond of as their base master in charge of staffing and paperwork. And so as we approach season two of the Winged Badger Tavern, four guys, Adventures and Vibes, are gearing up to restore magic to the world of Urida by rescuing the entrapped avatars of the gods, finding and recombining the seven pieces of the Rod of Seven Parts, and then taking the fight back to Tumbleweb for round two with the evil demon fish. Welcome to the Winged Badger Tavern. Beep, 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 let's go. Beep, beep, beep. I had to say let's go because Jake's not here. Let's yeah, go. that's good, because someone, someone had to do that on his behalf. Because you that's know, right. Jay, wherever he is right now, he's probably saying it and doesn't even know why. That's true. Yeah. Did I miss anything that you guys felt was like an important detail in there? His Jakey sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, man, I think you hit it. That was great. I, I really, yeah, you, you hit, something I've really enjoyed. Got, hit all the notes is, is like seeing the whole story so far from like a bird's eye view. Yeah, it's crazy, man. We've gone through so much. It was hard to compress it down. I because like each episode has so many things in it that I was like, these are fun or funny or noteworthy. But I had to like zoom out and find like, okay, but what's the plot though? Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. A lot of what plot. makes where we're yeah, going, a lot of we don't need. <laughs> You don't need a plot when you've got family. <laughs> I feel okay. This is this is not an insult in any way, shape, or form. But I feel like the lack of Jake and Matt has really amped uh, Trevor and I up a lot tonight. Like, <laughs> I, I think we are knocking it out of the park. I think Oof. so too. You get maybe they're maybe they're squashing all your spotlight. Maybe we need to have a maybe we need to have a serious talk. <laughs> <with> maybe. <laughs> Like, hey, you guys! Like, you gotta, you gotta chill a little bit. <laughs> give, give us let some the, breathing the room. We got, we got let some the, gold over here. You gotta let the birds fly out of the nest. That's right. What are your? Okay, so let's talk. Let's talk predictions. What What Ooh. do you guys think is coming up next? Right. Um. I have. I have a prediction. I have. I have a prediction, and I have some theories. Um. I feel like time is. I feel like the timetable is going to get pushed up a little bit. I think that Four Guys is really starting to establish itself. Like by the time we get to Gaim and like reconvene with the company and and are like, all right, let's, you know, let's re-up our battle plans. I feel like we will have made a big enough dent in the Aboleth's plans that they are going to start to get a bit more active. I feel like, like, like we're we're starting to to prove that we are a danger, and so like something. I my prediction is I think something's going to happen to one of the uh, the avatars. Like like it's it's essentially like in uh, what is it in Harry Potter? There there's a part where they have to choose between finding Horcruxes and the other thing it's like it's like do we do we fight this yeah do we do yeah that's right do we do the deathly hallows or do we do the horcruxes and i feel like not quite yet but pretty soon we're gonna have to choose between the rod of seven parts and the avatars and because and and it's like no matter which one we choose the others are going to be at stake and there and it's going to like really that, that that's my prediction that that is going to there's going to be some some timetable conflicts and and things are going to start also running. spoiler warning for harry potter <laughs> <laughs> well we only have what two out of seven parts right now right yeah and we have one out of five avatars well you've rescued one of the three captured avatars um and then one of them is free so you know she's oh, one of three oh, okay but you haven't encountered her yeah so one of one of three avatars so we're still not doing great. I think they'll just beef up security at everything else or they'll like move it or lock it down somehow. So I, I I think it's we're enough in where they're starting to notice, but I don't think we're enough in for them to be super concerned yet. I went back and listened to a couple episodes or like a bunch of them. I've gone back and listened to all of them actually again. So I think I've listened to everything twice now. Nice. I'm at 
I'm an idiot in game. Like in game, <laughs> I forget so much stuff. What do you mean? Oh, me too. No, no, that's not just you. Like, like I, I, I live so much in the present, and I've got like the, the like the the long term memory of a Same. goldfish when, when we're in game because it's so engaging and it's like so in the present. But I'm like I went back and listened through them, and I started putting together pieces. Like I, I forget what his name was, but we've already lost the avatar who was at dirt. Or who who was that tumbleweb? Shrub. Yeah, Shrub. He's gone, and 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 we barely saved Garlow. Yeah, and it's like, I I really think that, and they are, they well, like we discovered, like I realized that they are key to performing the ritual. Yep. That needs to happen. Um, but we also need the rock. Yeah, yeah. But like I like. We can, we can, if if they were to capture a piece of the rod, we could fight them for and and like get the like try to get the rod. But if they kill an avatar, like that's, we can't undo that to our knowledge unless Zoth gets really get some real big resurrection energy going on. Uh, I mean, if we're at the death of the avatar, I can at the moment, current moment. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like, unless unless a lot of experience and, and stuff comes our way. It sounds like, hang on, I need to be 100 feet closer so I can get to him in 60 seconds. Just hold on. <laughs> yeah. just, I know you're excited about that. Just one side. I just need to come. I'm just going to walk over. I just want to spectate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfectly harmless. Even last night when I was listening through the episode to prep for, uh, what was it called? I forget what it, Resurrect, uh, Rejection Headquarters. Um, I, uh, like. <laughs> yeah. The, the order of the broken rod, like I didn't put together just until then that this is a guild. And like you literally even said the word guild, um, like and that's how much of my goldfish memory was working, <laughs> that this is a guild that is that is designed <laughs> and intended to keep the rod broken and that they have been operating for a, a long while. Um, like like the darkening, like the rod has been broken and separated long before the darkening happened and there are people who have found the pieces of the rod and the uh and the guild of the the order of the broken rod or broken scepter has been like this secret society that has been trying to keep it broken and hidden away all of this time like i, I i'm just now putting that together so it's like I don't know. Like my my mind's been a little a little bit blown lately of of just like connecting dots, and I'm it's kind of cool finally connecting some of these dots. Um, yeah, and it's yeah it's it's been it's been really neat to kind of to kind of go back through those. Some of my favorite moments throughout the campaign have been the ones where like something will happen, and about five minutes later, it's usually Matt for some reason, but about five minutes later, someone will go wait, wait, but if that happened and we know this other thing and then another person will like actually slot them together like usually matt's like that was too much to be a coincidence and then washer jake often jumps in with like wait a minute and it's like this mind-blown moment those are some of my favorite moments to watch something that was weird to me it was small but the the candy thing in the tower that was a goldfish moment i had no idea you don't like like even if you don't know what what the significance of it is, that's not going to be made to be pointed out if it wasn't significant or like serving a purpose. Well, on the other hand, like that particular logic would like that's kind of leaning into metagaming. Yeah, it'd be meta. Yeah, 
It is. Yep. But I'm just sitting there and I'm just like laughing at how missing the point they are. That's the episode that Jake missed. And when Jake finally was watching it, he was sending me messages in the middle of it, just <laughs> screaming. Like, if Fox eats <laughs> the only evidence that Owlin can use to connect these dots, I will be so. And then 10 minutes He's later, like, just this it. loud, ah! It was so good. <laughs> Uh, what a goob. We're such goobs sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But good times, though. <laughs> what kind of predictions do you have, Josh? I want to know what you're predicting for, for the beginning of the adventure <laughs> or the, the next part of the adventure. Um, I am... I am predicting that I guess maybe I'm maybe I don't predict maybe I foreshadow since I'm the game master. <laughs> but I I am predicting that decision making is going to become harder now that mm. you have not just a like you you now have a plan of what to do about the problem, but the plan isn't something you can achieve by staying all in the same place. Like every decision now has an opportunity cost because like time is short. So that kind of rolls into um, into what I was thinking that that the timetable is moving up and we're going to have to like, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like a well, just and not even like even without me changing anything about the sure. timetables, like just now there are there are two different things you need to go and get. One of them is a bunch of avatars and one of them is a bunch of scepters. Yeah. And any time you spend on one is time you're not spending on the other while someone else is actively looking for it. Or in the case of the avatars, they've already got them. So like, yeah, keeping you up. know, you're just giving them longer and longer to beef up security, basically. Speaking of which, I'm really excited to see Zothkug attuned to his rod. I am super excited for if that. If I had thought of it, I'd have had that prepped for tonight. But I didn't. I shoulda. Rip. That's fine. So, so yep. part of me is just like, We've seen one, and I'm curious, like how similar the second one will be, or if they're going to be like wildly different. Like, there's no set pattern yet, you know? Yeah. And and so I'm like, I'm curious to see. I feel like they they they'd be different just because you know the the nature. Like each one is based on a different attribute. Yeah. So they have to be different, right? Like they have to be testing that attribute. Maybe. Like I don't know. Like Josh is pretty creative with his puzzles. That's my guess. Um. By the way. Josh, I need to give you mad props. When I was going through that last episode for Rejection Headquarters, your like your your monologue at the end with the with the the sermon of Scooby Doo Doo with the blah yeah the sermon of Dicey's the rod yeah. of seven parts that lasted literally for nine whole minutes that just kept going. Yeah, sorry about that. That was like no no that that was like one of the high points of that season for me. Just like understanding the like the foundation of the world and how all of that like i don't know like it, it was one of those cool things where like you would wrap up a section of it and then continue and i was like there's more <laughs> it keeps going that's amazing it was like i was like oh every time i i get like i get frisian every time i listen to it well thank you i'm i'm so glad you enjoyed it one of the things that's really fun for me is going back into what was honestly us playing a one-page RPG to make the world mm -hmm. and then taking all of those things and turning them into like fleshed out lore where it's like, but why did the gods do this? Because yeah. yep. we were like, I don't know, I'll plop a mountain here. Yeah. And then I would go back and be like, but why is the mountain there? And that <laughs> like for me, that's like... That was really cool. That really is flex. It, it's like a really different way than I've ever done before to like... Yeah. I guess challenge myself as a storyteller 
because I don't get to control what happens. All I can talk about is why it happened. And so I'm like going back and trying to find reasons. And there are moments in the world building where someone would do something and I would be like, how in the heck am I supposed to connect the formation of a single winged badger over here on the eastern end of the <laughs> continent yep. with what's happening everywhere because the rest of us are in the central area. Like, yep. <laughs> I mean, and sometimes like it, it, it's not going to connect unless we physically go over that way. You know, like it, it, not everything has to play out in like the area that the party's in. Like the world moves around us too. And that depends on your DM philosophy. Um, like, you know, some DMs say, you know, just center the world around the party since that, like, you know, it's all about the storytelling and how you want to tell it. But I'm of the opinion that the world moves around the party, too, and that whatever's happening in the world is happening along with the party, not the party aren't the only things for everything to be focused. Well, right? that's all true now. Yeah. But when we look at the history of why things are the way they are yeah. in the world... All of that happened yep, before you absolutely. got here. So that's where it's like you know. fun stuff. I, I imagine going back and like essentially putting flesh on the bones of the origin is is probably a lot like DMing where it's like the players have set the scene and now you're kind of like determining the outcome or, or you know, like like yeah, are uh, educating that that whole situation. So it's like, you know. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of algebraic equations where it's like, you know, the players give you X and then two years later, the players give you Z and you have to figure out, you know, X plus Y equals Z. What's what's in the middle? Right. You're solving for the middle. Yeah. Algebraic. Yeah, I went there. Mathematical. I married a mathematician. (laughs) (laughs) I know math. I know. I know reverse math. math. Also known as subtraction. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a dumb joke. (laughs) That wasn't even that funny. I just am like on such a sugar high right now. I've had a half of a key lime pie and a brookie and a half and what is a brookie? this much of a tub of whipped cream. Uh, brownie cookie. Oh my gosh. You don't know about our Lord and Savior, the brookie? <laughs> okay, Our so, you know, mental hooks. I have a friend named Brooke, and some people call her brookie. So it's like, like I don't have any other associations. This is brownie and cookie. <laughs> That's what this is. Like stacked on top of each other? Yeah. Like one with each other. The, <laughs> technically, the bottom layer is brownie and the top layer is cookie, but it is swirled so that they it is, it is all become one. The brookie is one. And you but if brownie you've never is had such a, brookie, a different man, consistency. It's such a different consistency than cookie. Like, not if they're baked right. Is it is it like you I'm just I'm telling you, dude. So is it more of a cookie consistency or more of a brownie consistency? It's a brookie. Oh. It is its own thing. It's its own thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. When you mix sodium and chloride, which are both poisonous, you wind up with a thing that's not poisonous called Although- salt. This is like that. When you mix brownies and cookies, which <laughs> are both poisonous, <laughs> you wind up with brookies, which are not poisonous. I don't know where you're getting your brownies and cookies from, Josh, but you probably shouldn't get them from there anymore. They're so good, though. Oh, mm. yeah, they're very Especially good. if you warm them up first. Yeah. Mm. Get some get some ice cream, you know, a, a la mode, if you will. A little whipped cream on top of your mm-hmm. brookie. Mm-hmm. That's just it's such a weird name. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Got a weird mouthfeel. You're a weird name. I mean, See? that's true. My <laughs> name is my name is what you do to a dirty car. So it's like wash Brunello. You wash Brunello a car. You wash it. You well, I mean, 
shut up. And then you burn it. And then you say, hello. Put it in jello. Hello, Kong. You seem to be on fire. <laughs> what? Do you have a favorite episode, Wash, having gone back oh. and listened to a whole bunch of them? Do you have one that, like, just got you the right way? Trevor, you can answer this, too. I just know well, he's listened through them all twice now. I mean, so. the one... Um, yeah, the the falling down a mile one is is like iconic for the moment. Yeah. Um, I re- it's an impressive feat. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm your stereotypical self centered player, so I like I focus on Jeb's experiences and whatnot. Well, that's fair. Um, the 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 episode where he kind of had to coax out and take care of Annabelle was pretty. Uh, pretty top tier for me um the the one where we where we had to rescue fox um and jeb had to like find fox down in the cell and like like jeb was really worried about him there and there was a lot of a lot of mixed feelings i think for me i'm gonna say the finale uh i'm gonna lump one and two together since it's a co- like that's the coherent that's fair story but i think the finale is definitely my favorite um, as a player, but I, I, you know, by its nature, it's going to be the most intense, most exciting, and thrilling. So I don't know if that can, that that's, that counts. Of course, it counts. That's okay. your opinion, man. I'm going to say finale. I really like the effects that you did on the shoulder angels when Jeb was attuning to the rock. That was fun. <laughs> can we do that again for Zoth? It caught me off so bad like caught me off guard when I listened to that episode and I just died laughing for like it had to have been like five minutes straight I was like this is <laughs> oh man it's 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 such a small effect but it's like all of their dumb jokes like and their quips <laughs> and stuff were just amplified like 25 percent like just oh it's so good I said 25%. It was hard to edit because I was laughing every time I'd hear them talk. Like I'd get to another of their voice lines and laugh and then I'd have missed what they said. I got to go back and see what they said. Because it would be like Jeb is like doing this inner monologue, like trying to think his way through a problem. And then Alan's like, yeah. (laughs) And Jeb's like encountering spirits from his past too, who are like in this rod, like, you know, his, his cousin or whatever comes out and challenges him with a riddle. And Alan's like, we can probably tank it. Like, (laughs) I think a really funny moment that, um, isn't, it's, it's not like, uh, like in game, but it was the tavern talk where we were all going and we just had like the funny demands for Josh to ed- when he was editing. I, that. I can't remember. Did I do any of those? He blocked it out of his memory. I remember the episode. I just can't remember if I did any of them. Um, I think I thought you did. Oh, speaking of tavern talks, I really liked the, uh, the, the company team building exercises one. Yeah, that was great. That one was fun. Um, you guys did. So I liked that episode and I think it was great and I wouldn't change anything about it. By choosing to skip the lore, you then went through the whole Tower of Garlel without knowing anything about the Gomtaun Church. And it was like littered <laughs> with with hooks and clues and useful finds that you like, just gloss oh, right man. over because you didn't know they were significant. And I thought that was really funny. Um, that is funny. I think for me, one of my... so. I'll, I'll say the one I think I laughed the hardest in is the one where Zoth gets a hat. <laughs> that was really good. Um, 
<laughs> I think there was just something about that one. It just kept getting worse because it wasn't just Zoth getting a hat. It's also Fox doing his like criminal audition. That was great. Um, and it's the the guy with the prophecy, like the first time we meet Mr. Prophecy and he's trying to come with. And it just like kept it was just like one spiral after another. And I just man, I was losing it. Um, and then maybe tied with that is the one with Clara Albuquerque. That was really good. Okay. That was one of the funniest, like, um, and I think the one like, uh, from a more serious perspective that I enjoyed the most, I think might be the, um, well, I'm scrolling through the list of episodes here trying to decide which one it is. Um, I think the one we just did with oh, Makar and like mm. seeing that confrontation come to a head, man, that one's up there for me. That was intense. And... Um, I've never uh, dealt with aerial combat before, so that was a first. Yeah, that was super fun. Um, that was kind of like an anime moment in the middle. It was just like, like, everyone's it. flying now. <laughs> um, and then there's the one with the heart-to-hearts where like, I feel like that's the one where you guys really started to actually get to know each other's characters, and so that one was really cool to watch as well. We still need to do more of that. Like, We've just been so busy. We haven't sat down and talked as uh, in characters like about stuff. That's true. Yeah. We need a beach episode. <laughs> I literally had planned one for tonight and then we did this instead. Um, but I, that's what I was going to do as the like, okay, we just had a big like fight, you know, let's just lower the tension for one session before we go back in. And so I have, I actually have it still planned out. It's just sitting on the back burner for next time we need one. Hot boy summer. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Hot boy summer. Um, um, but yeah, I have what I think actually might be, a really fun session, like just kind of a one shot beach beach episode plan. So I don't worry. There is one there is one out there, one in the works. Nice. Um I I, I do want to say I appreciate how much Mr. Prophecy is involved. <laughs> like like we he he showed up and he like or we showed up to his place and he talked to us and then he's like, I want to adventure and we're like, okay, let's put you through some tests that you're gonna fail and then he doesn't fail them. Or he just he sort of failed up. Like he <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um he accidentally passed a bunch of his tests. Where is he? Is he in Gaim? Is he in Tumbleweb? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Prophecy is in Gaim. He went with yeah, okay. the mic and yeah, it. So he's with the company. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's with the company. After after what he did <laughs> in the finale, he's with the company. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to show up in the uh, in the the October special. Did his family move? Did oh uh, I don't know. We never addressed that. We didn't. That's why I'm curious. I just thought of that because I know he mentioned he had a family and everything. That's true. I'd be curious to see. Um, speaking of October things and and stuff that's in the works. Um, in case you viewing this at home didn't know, we're doing uh, viewer participation streams coming up like more than normal. Uh, the first three weeks in August, October. you are invited to play. We're doing the play test of D&D 1, um, and we're doing it with like a little adventure where you will be working for Four Guys Ventures and Vibes. You will be frontline staff on the ground, and what you do will influence the campaign. Like it, it will be actual directives from the company that will come back and influence what the players are doing. And yes, Meat Hook Massacre in the chat is already signed up to play, and it is it is open call. Like you, if you want to play, you can play. Um, obviously we'll cap it at four or five players, but you are totally welcome to join us. And to get there, all you got to do is hop in our discord and, um, react to the, the role. There's a role that's like, I want to be a Merc for four guys, ventures and vibes. And you just react to it and we get you taken care of from there. Um, but it's going to be super fun. I know a little bit about the quest that's coming up, so I know it's going to be great, but I'm actually not running it. We're going to get to see Trevor DM. Trevor's going to be flexing that, that dungeon master skill. 
and it's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. We're capping it at four guys, but we're not capping the adventures and vibes. That there is, there's no. That's right. No those. cap. No cap. No cap. No cap. Yeah. Yeah, we went there. <laughs> <laughs> I am hip with the lingo. I'm very excited for October, though. I think it'll be a really fun time. I agree. I think it's going to be really fun, and I'm excited to like just watch for a bit. I'm the other players, uh, Jake and Matt. I think will both be here. At least Matt, um, Jake may or may not be, depending on his. He's got a capstone project for his his college to work on that month. So depending on how that goes, he may or may not be present. But um, but Matt and Wash will be here most of the time. So you'll you'll get to play with some of the players from from the main session, and you'll get to influence the story. So really, it's going to be a grand old time, is what I'm trying to tell we'll you. We'll all be be making uh, characters together using the new rules, so that'll also be new for everyone. So even if you're like hesitant about, oh, I don't know, you should definitely join yeah. because we're all going to be learning something new together. So you don't have to feel too and, worried about people being you know knowing more than. And you. that first week in October, you're doing like a session zero, right? You're gonna make characters together yeah. and then maybe just start the adventure like right at the at the top that day. Yeah, we were gonna make characters on stream, depending on how quick that went. Run through just like simulated test of of how something could go to implement the new rules, see what people think, get them familiar with how it works. So like company exercises then, yeah. is what you're saying. You need some more yeah. company team, team building, building exercises. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. We'll call first episode is onboarding. <laughs> yes, onboarding. Yes. Uh, orientation, if you will. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Orientation. So that'll be session zero, session one, whatever you want to call it. And then you will be uh, dungeon delving. Yep. And if... If people like it, if you have a good time, then we'll look into doing those, you know, maybe a couple of times a year so that you can, you know, I just think it's like the the ultimate way to influence the campaign. You know, we want our whole stream, our whole thing is is that we're interactive and you can do stuff during the streams that that interact with what the players are doing. And I think it would be pretty amazing if um, you were able to literally be in the world in present tense and like, you know, working on multi, you know, we just talked about how hard it's going to be for them to choose objectives when they know there's opportunity cost. What if you were part of, yeah. you know, alleviating that opportunity cost? I think that there's, there actually could be some very real clutch moments that, um, that the Delve teams could, mm -hmm. could like help pull through with the overall campaign and like the fate of Urida. Yeah. Not to sound, you know, climactic or anything, but like. <laughs> chat you should join in the game because the fate of urida could be in in your literal hands you can get the party some items to use you can get them gold to single digits their yeah. needy uh cypher truck find a piece of the rod become a permanent cast member just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gonna be good though but yeah that'll be be a lot of fun any other predictions any other um i don't know reactions things that what about season two if anything, like jumped out as a big shock. Like, were there any twists that like were legit twists for you? I think Makar was a twist for me. Yeah, Makar. He was a cool character. It, like, it it was nice to have a, a like a big figure yeah. that kind of went alongside us through a couple episodes and stuff. Like, he went his ways and they came back and was like intertwined in the story. Mm. He was like, it was nice to see another really cool fleshed out character that we got to interact with a lot. I am also excited for more like involvement with the four guys adventures and vibes as a company stuff you know like the dragon being sent was was definitely a surprise yeah the little dragon l that came to like pick up loot from you guys yeah so that'll be exciting especially when we're close to them like being able to communicate more promptly 
and like check up, see how everything is, see how the like we we haven't even seen our headquarters really. That's true. You've never been. Okay, this is going to sound weird, but I am excited. That does sound weird. Whoa. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm normally like Wash is so deadpan normally. I'm normally yeah. like a 3. Yeah. You're, you're here, I exactly. need you here. Very dry. You're, you're here, I need you here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's absolutely. No, one thing that I'm really excited about is the private security goons. Oh yeah. Like I I'm I'm excited to have somebody that I know I can hate. <laughs> I like so so hear me out. Hear me out. It's like in Dungeons and Dragons, there's su- there's such a variety of potential threats everywhere. It's refreshing to just have oh no, here's the stormtroopers. We know that we can that they're just a threat and we can blast them to solve the problem or you know like like dress up as them and sneak into a place or like it's nice to have established baddies that we can uh that all you have to do is be like oh it's private security goons and like dang it they're here you know let's you know we don't have to be like yeah maybe they're friends or you know we'll have to pull one aside and talk to them and investigate first or let's scout you know it's just like oh dang it the goons are here. <laughs> what I like about the private security goons is that they take all of the effort out of foreshadowing um, like your your bigger villains. Mm. Like when you when you could hear over the radio and I all I said was you hear a female voice over the radio and all of you were like, dang it, Mavira. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, they 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 indicate the rest of the story too and i think that's fun they they help contextualize things also if you like having them as established baddies you just wait (laughs) there's some there's some foreshadowing for you you want you want a little gm preview i I take it back we do have the abolith (laughs) take it all back well yes the abolith is an established baddie but the abolith is i would not put the abolith in red shirt or stormtrooper territory (laughs) probably not at least not yet they're only a cr8 really yeah the real ones are i won't tell you about mine but you know (laughs) (laughs) the thing that makes i actually just had a big discussion about this with someone on reddit who is like how do you play an abolith good um the thing that makes abolith so terrifying is not like oh no they can hit me with their like fish whips the thing that makes abolith terrifying is their mental capacity aboleths are always playing 5d chess yeah and that in my opinion that takes them from a cr8 to somewhere because the the challenge rating in the dungeons and dragons system really only accounts for like how do you stack up their abilities against your abilities yeah um and it does not account for like okay but when you play something tactically yeah like when i play the golem with no brain it runs in and attacks you like the helmed horror did in Makar's dungeon. It ran up and it took some swipes at you and it really just like ate your damage while it continued attacking. There's a whole different world when you're playing against something where, especially when it's the DM who's playing that character, when you're playing against something that is like political mind games, six or seven steps ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, um, that is cool. And like, I think uh, mental acuity is, is really important for, you know, bad guys and telling a good story because you know that that that's part of the fun is who's outmaneuvering who in what way you know as fun as combat is like it'd be kind of boring if it was just run up and fight them and like just bonk 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 back and forth until one of them is alive or one of them dies especially in theater of the mind yeah but I, I like the way everything has been playing out so far you know we have this game of finding these parts saving the avatars 
uh, we have this mission um, and that makes it feel very it, one it puts us on a time crunch which another thing we haven't really felt like obviously we know we need to do this but we're not sure what the time crunch is exactly we know there is a timetable but we don't know what the timetable is yeah yeah so i'm looking forward to finding that out and knowing like where we were at time wise like oh we're doing great or oh no we're gonna hit a point where it's like we have three rod pieces one avatar and then it's like it's go time that's a detail that you at one point acknowledged as a party and then never decided to take any action on and i've been waiting to see when it will reoccur to you trevor yes we should invest some resources and plant a mole in private security goods to get inside information on their operations and their movements that's fun we could have mr prophecy you know if if fox or like okay i keep calling you guys by your character names if matt is ever out for like a number of weeks or something he could totally like like he would be the like changing rogue he'd be like the perfect person to do that but yeah like if we could train somebody or or, maybe he just needs to be Maybe he needs to be the one who recruits that person. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe that's a thing that you need to be on the lookout for during your main adventures so that Fox can try and vet like, okay, who's actually good at stealth? You need to find one of his family members so that they're a changeling too. Or we just find someone and pay him to do it and they have no idea why. Like we don't tell them who we are. Boring. Just kidding. But the the, the best people are the (laughs) ones who know the least. Yeah, no, no, you're fair. Jeb just wants money for spells. Now he doesn't want to spend money on. <laughs> if you could convince Fox to part with his uh, glamour armor, oh well, I guess it wouldn't matter because it wouldn't work outside of the range of the rod anyway. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that would give somebody yeah. an advantage, you know, if he could give them the ability to change their outfit anyway. So would it be stuck in its form outside of the rod? It would revert to looking like normal armor. Oh, okay, interesting. At least I, that's what I remember from last time I read about it. But that, I mean, that might be wrong. But the, for what's in my head right now, that's what I remember is that the armor has to be willed to look like something else. You don't need to concentrate on it, but it's like a mm. you as the attuned user tell it what to be. So if the attunement is broken and then someone else reattunes to it, like until they, it's given an order, it would, I think, revert back to the default. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm excited in the next coming episodes when everybody has a piece of the rod and we get to go all power rangers by joining the <laughs> rod together and uh and you know fire a big bow or like zig, zig, something <laughs> i'm excited for when you start to try and connect the rod as well mm. we'll have to experiment with that zoth yeah um i i predict predict it'll be sort of a guardians of the galaxy moment when they're um in the first one at the end when they're like all touching the the infinity stone and they have to link up in order to uh stabilize it so i figure we'll have that kind of moment yeah because even gomteos could only like wield it to do a single action and then it shattered but i was i was calculating it out there's enough pieces for everybody to have two except for one because there are seven parts and there are four of us but we're becoming more and more like the Guardians of the Galaxy. We have a plant man. That's true. And yeah. <laughs> you have a raccoon. It's just fox instead of raccoon. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, honestly, I think Jeb is, is is more along the lines of Rocket. That's true. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Personality-wise as well. I mean, Fox kind of fits Gamora. Owl and his Drax. <laughs> Nothing gets, gets over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. Amazing. There's a, if I, a do you do you want a like a, a little nugget, a little paranoia nugget for you 
from the DM. I, I would like a lore brookie, please. As as long as you promise not to tell uh, Alan or so you did mean, it too. Uh, Jake and Matt. Yeah, I did. Jake and Matt. You know they can't watch this or know this information. There is a lore that you received in season one. Um, a like it's a defined bit of lore and you would know if you went back and listened to it like oh this one is part of the lore there is a lore somewhere in season one that is at the fulcrum of you accomplishing your goal that nobody has acknowledged or looked into it's a thing that happened at the table and it was learned and it was never gone back to and it is a key to your success well i tell you what and, and we, we need to bump up our apple podcast numbers so i guess i'm going for a third time <laughs> <laughs> maybe i gotta go back and listen how did you get your views to suddenly spike 600 percent? oh that's the players i just that's told them there was a detail notes, back there. Steve. i'm taking notes <laughs> that's funny. has your family said anything to you wash i know some of them you said listen to it yeah my son listens to it he uh, he doesn't watch it live. He likes to like listen to it throughout the day while he's doing stuff. So he listens to it on Spotify. Okay. He's been enjoying it a lot. My other family members don't, so they're idiots, and I'm gonna disown them and write them out of my But you know, whoa! <laughs> At least they got one. There's clearly a favorite in the family. I won't be alone. So you know, it's me, me and my boy. <laughs> That's my boy. This is my boy. I have a friend who messaged me. Um, she just started listening a month or two ago Aww. and she sent me a text message and she was like, I'm learning so much about D and D mechanics from your podcast. Like you guys really dive into some of the cool rules. And then a week later she texted me and she went, I'm learning that I have to fact check your mechanics before. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say what specifically? It was because there's, uh, no like real magic in the world. So a lot of, uh, the ways that you used magic early on are kind of hand wavy with the leaf and the oh, slots yeah. and the things. And, Absolutely. Um, and she was like, you know, I've realized that some of what I've learned from you, I must now unlearn. <laughs> it just yeah. made me smile. She did say that we're really funny though. She enjoys listening. That's good. Has, uh, M- Mrs. Pug said anything? Any comments? Um, theory crafting. She, I mean, she will often tell me like highlights from the most recent episode that she enjoyed, but I mean, no like overall feedback or anything okay. like that. Hey, Lupin, what's your uh, hot? But take? I also don't ask. What's up? What's <laughs> Lupin's hot take? His hot take is moo. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a very hot. Usually, hot what he take. says. I could dig it. Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 grown accustomed to uh, knowing his moos. Mm. Yeah, he does have like I've grown it, accustomed it, to his mood. The mood of the moo, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I've learned them all. Yeah. Amazing. So what's next? Is is it Zoth attuning to the rod? I think so. Like next week is a tavern talk, isn't it? Or were we doing rod attunement? I'm not sure whether to do rod attunement before or after the October stuff. Um I was thinking of doing it afterwards because Technically, in the flow, so those of you watching at home, we have talked about the flow of upcoming events offline to try and figure out when Zoth would attune to the rod, because just like with Jeb, it will be a matter of months, not a matter of hours, and they need to therefore have months to invest in it, and right now, they're only traveling about a week before they get to Clan Royal to continue their search for the next piece of the Rod of Seven Parts. Um, What we talked about doing was basically completing that segment, like, or that segment sounds like i'm talking about they're they're guaranteed to get the rod 
what I mean is completing that part of the story. Nobody's guaranteed to get anything. Sure we are. Um, We're completing that part of the story. And then when they make their next travel, um, they're planning to go after an avatar. And so that's a longer journey to get there. And that's when chronologically we would do the attunement process. So, um, with that in mind, like it seems silly to do it right away when there's the, the clan Royal stuff to do first. Yeah. Um, but that's just, you know, I don't, I don't want to take anything from Zoth cause it would be nice for him to attune to it. But if it takes months to do that, it might be worth it to have like a couple rods and then a couple people attuned to them at the same time and like have that time overlap and just have like maybe Jeb stand guard or something. Yeah, or or maybe like yeah, we would definitely need at maybe least maybe if we got back to Gaim or something like that, and then we could like yeah, do it at yeah, headquarters, like do the uh, do the private security groom infiltration thing, like have mm. that kind of going on in the background while while you guys are in isolation. That could be cool. That's not a bad idea. That's definitely another way you could. Do we'll, it. we'll have to build a Maybe rod attunement more people uh, comfort chamber <laughs> that's just like couches and stuff <laughs> with like a mini a mini fridge and a little bar and everything like. <laughs> We're we're a startup. We want to take care of our employees in <laughs> beanbag chairs and stuff. <laughs> we'll have to like cycle in cycle in employees so it's like somebody's always on watch checking on them. I don't know if we'll ever get this, but in the future for anything spin-offy, I kind of want to see Yeah trying to manage people cuz he's not he's still not super familiar with the customs especially of a business. So I would love to see the dynamic of him working with the other team leads and the employees of Four Guys Adventures and Vibes and just seeing that dynamic, like just like a sitcom, basically. That does sound funny. I have a feeling that you're going to be the first person who gets to DM that. <laughs> mm. I I'm mean, in. They're not going to start at the dungeon. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. No, they're not. Some... We'll get a taste of that, but I meant like a full full show of that or episode maybe. They'll get a taste, though. Hey, Josh. Hey, Wash. How much of Gaim have you built yet? How much of Gaim have I built? Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20%. Um, do you have, like, the architecture down and stuff like that? Mostly, yeah. Map-wise? Mm-hmm. Okay. If if you were to give me, like, the general feel of Gaim's layout and architecture and whatnot, I would be happy to map out the four guys' headquarters. Aw, that sounds like fun. We could like iterate it back and forth or something like that. But I, th- I think it'd be cool to like have, you know, rooms and, and like a layout and stuff like that. You know, give it some, put some meat on its bones and make it feel like a like a real place. I had been thinking, I hadn't said this out loud, so I, you know, here it is now. Everyone's hearing it at the table for the first time, you too, viewers. Exclusive. I had been thinking that uh, four guys would get a list of its needs from you, the founders, and then pass those off to some architects. And I had been thinking of having chat design it as a like a session Ooh. one night when like maybe a bunch of people weren't available or something. We could just design the hideout with chat. You guys could be there, but you know, like letting chat like influence the design stuff, and that could be sort of like being the architects um, in Gaim who build it. So maybe there's a combo of those two things where like maybe if we build it with chat, you can then go and like make the map pretty or whatever if you wanted to do that. That's cool. That would I like that would that be idea. cool if you could if you could cobble together and combine like like a random random map generator, like 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 randomly generate some tiles and then have like people vote on them or something like that. And that maybe we should do it on your channel and you should build it in Tailspire. Like Ooh. chat influencing what's happening, but we build the actual map in Tailspire. That could be super that fun. That would be fun. Map making is a fun process. It is. I like map making. I use beans. Me too. 
I uh for a world map I've used dice before. Mm-hmm. That's a good one too. I used Minecraft once to build a dungeon. That was pretty fun. Really? Yeah. I've had that idea. Hmm. Like for Wing Badger Tavern? It took a long time, but no, no, not for Wing Badger Tavern. Oh. Um, for Wing Badger Tavern, I I now have a system that's totally different from how I used to do maps and how most DMs that I know build maps. Um, because I stay mostly in theater of the mind, I usually build my maps. If there's any art, it's a single piece of concept art to give you the vibe. And then the maps that I build are um, not artistic. Like, they're all utilitarian. So they're actually flow charts of where you can go, yeah, yeah. how you can get there, and what happens in each space. Rather than being like, here's a pretty map with the staircase drawn and, you know, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So be- I think I'm going to, for my my map making for, for, for the dungeon doing, Spoilers. I'm probably going to start off, like, traditionally, to, like, just make a make a map myself physically and and start from there and then translate it into more theater of the mind because it'll be my first time doing something like that so i like having the physical you know layout of everything there's a great blog post by the angry gm about building maps for theater of the mind and how to like make maps where there's no wasted effort like everything you do is actually the useful stuff that I highly recommend. Love that. I mean, I recommend all of his articles. He's fantastic, but especially his map making one, like cut down my prep time by like four hours. Ooh, let me um, go into wow. that. Four hours is maybe an exaggeration, but an hour at least, because I only put about four hours into the podcast outside of streaming each week. So I probably cut down my prep by about an hour. Four hours, adventures, and mobs. Yeah, four hours, adventures, and maps. Chat, um, I would love to see some emotes in the chat to see whether or not you think Josh should eat the other half of his pie and his two and a half brickies that are left before the end of the stream. I am so sugar high. <laughs> chat says no. Chat's, chat's defending me. <laughs> chat, my heart thanks you. So does my scale. <laughs> Don't listen to chat, Josh. Don't give in to peer pressure. That's right. Uh. Only Did, listen to chat. You if are they peer pressuring me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also my pancreas. You're right, hey, chat. You leave his pancreas out of this. This is <laughs> this is between him and his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Oh, guys, you're the best. Yeah, the insulin yeah. production is an override. <laughs> that's why i feel like i'm moving really mentally slow at this point because i'm like i'm like up in the clouds man i don't do drugs i don't drink i don't do anything like that but this is about as close as i can imagine feeling to that i'm like like tingly i'm just physically exhausted from my weekend i get my high off a white granulated sugar that's right should we do like a well, I don't know. Maybe this maybe this is too meta. Um, what do you think of doing like a uh, like a listen along type event sometime where maybe we each pick a favorite episode or chat picks the commentary? episode or something? Yeah, and we go back and do like a director's commentary on an episode where it's like you know we're we're playing the vod or maybe the podcast because those are shorter. Um, just because they're trimmed down but like we you know we have the thing playing in the background but then we can any of us can pause it and just like here's a note about that moment or like here's something i was thinking or you know something like that where we can go like relive the moments what do you think of that yeah i'm i'm down to that that sounds fun i kind of like that idea chill like a good night probably a good thing to do if like someone's missing or something or like 
we just need a break. I was thinking it might be fun to do between seasons. Like maybe after each season, each of us picks a favorite episode. And so we have like a four week downtime where we go through and each person's favorite episode gets listened to. And we do like a little commentary on it. Interesting. I I'm up for that. I don't know if four weeks is too Chat, long. Does that sound entertaining or does that sound like really self-glorifying? Like I don't want it to feel like we're being super <laughs> vain. I literally am just looking for things that would be fun and entertaining. That's for Patreon everybody. content, baby. <laughs> That's right. Patreon content. <laughs> the amount of things that we put on our non-existent Patreon are like, it's just constantly growing, man. <laughs> when we, it's the best whenever, vaporware. If and whenever it happens, you know, we'll be We're going to launch a Patreon and put nothing on it. <laughs> you'll be so excited for everything we've talked about. And you'll sign up for that like $3 a month tier or whatever, and you'll get there and it'll literally be like a, a hand-drawn sketch of Matt's hair <laughs> and I was going to say, else. it'll be like a picture of a sticky note that says director's commentary episode five <laughs> yeah. to work in progress to we do. could post the uh the conspiracy board we haven't updated uh yes chat something like mystery science theater um i'm thinking less mystery science theater is like the thing keeps playing so you can almost like it's hard to pay attention to them and the thing i was thinking more of like you know we're listening to the episode together but then anybody can pause it and like just add a little note or an annotation to it so it's more a little more serious than Mystery Science Theater, you know, where we dive into like, what was your character thinking in this moment? Or why did you make that decision? <laughs> or like, here's a cool note about the planning or, you know, stuff like that. I think I've talked about this before because I'm an old man and I really like to repeat <laughs> myself, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, I I feel like like our listening to our podcast like almost makes me believe that the world is a simulation uh, because there have been so many times where... Alwyn will say something or Zoth will crack a joke or Fox will do a thing and I'll just be like what a goob and then Jeb's voice pops up and is like what a goob like like <laughs> in my brain I, I think of like yeah but that would never work and then I hear myself in the in, in the moment be like yeah but that'll never work and that's like it's like verbatim so many times <laughs> it's it's weird I I will say uh, I have not listened to many of our episodes. I think <gasps> not nothing nothing against us. <gasps> I just hate the sound of my voice. Oh, I love your voice. It's just I don't know. Like you can hear you can hear the sound of your voice evolve. The soft cook becomes less and less true. different from Trevor. I know. I, it's hard <laughs> for me to maintain like a character voice and still like act in character. So I don't know. It takes a lot of like effort to do a character voice for me and. I sort of lose touch with like what the character says and does as a different character. It takes so a lot of I, mental energy to maintain the voice. Yeah. And I yeah. haven't found like an easy voice that's different enough that fits. So it's more like a mood mm. that I shift into mindset wise than the voice. And I hope I do a good enough job of like distincting the characters. Oh, you absolutely do. Yeah. Here's actually, this is an important note for like D and D players at home. You don't need to do a voice to be role playing. Well, no, just so we're clear. Okay. Go on. Wash. Yeah. I was just gonna say moods and mannerisms are better. Um, like if you're, if you're trying to play like an intelligent character, you use words like planet instead of world. Um, or, you know, and, and Jake does this like really good with that in, in being, very articulate and he enunciates and he uses very big words instead of like the shorthand words and it just you know because he's he's just he just raises his voice up a little bit yeah and he enunciates and is very articulate and um i don't actually think that that is the way that it's supposed to be 
And that's Owlin. Speech patterns are a thing that I've been really pushing myself on this season. Um, one of the best critiques I got from one of our viewers at the end of season one was they were like, all of your, you know, characters or your NPCs or whatever have like slightly different vocal intonations, but they all speak in the same patterns. I was like, dang, you're right. So <laughs> then I like this season, I've been really pushing myself to get, and I felt like with Makar was the first one where I really got it right. He has like a really distinct sound. Yeah. He and Garlel maybe. Mm. Um, and, and so that's been something I've definitely been growing into. You do really well with the ad too. That's very distinct. That's true. I guess yeah was kind of a distinct pace mm-hmm. in that he has no flavor. Like <laughs> yeah, is about as he, he is true neutral. <laughs> yeah, he is as generic as I can make him sound. <laughs> this um, is my non-emotional consideration of all the facts. <laughs> how would a mushroom sound if it communicated with you telepathically? Like with telepathy, is it someone else's voice in your head or is it you interpreting someone else's voice to be different like is it your thoughts generating what they're sending rules wise there's like different ways for it to happen like sometimes it just communicates pure thought which is like it's not even a it word it's just like thought. an image of a fork yeah or like a okay thought of a fork because i think in words by the way i don't think in pictures behold an image of a fork <laughs> <laughs> did i do it did you see the image of the fork in your mind i did telepathy achieved we, ju- we just won the podcast <laughs> yep. we won we did it we, we won. We won the podcast. Guys. We won the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, and also the voice I started out with Zoth is also kind of taxing on my my vocal cords, and I it wasn't sustainable. Like I tried, and I think I just went too far with it. Your vocal cords rebelled against your crunch culture. Absolutely. <laughs> One of these days, we should do like a silly spell that like uh, brain swaps everybody, and we should have to like. RP each other's characters. Mm. I've, I've done that before. That's really funny. <laughs> I don't think I've had characters RP each other, but at one point I had characters who were conscious and in their own bodies, except that their, their control of their actions controlled other bodies. Mm. So like you, you were from the perspective of yourself, but when you tried to raise your right arm, it raised someone else's right arm. Interesting. And I, I did that as like a little discombobulation experiment one time and it was pretty funny. I've, I've, um, I've had once, uh, two people were in the same body and they had to roll to see who got control of the, the limbs. Nice. That was fun. I was telling Jake a couple of the stories uh, from the one shot that we did at your birthday, Trevor, with like 12 people. Oh yeah. That was crazy. And a lot of fun. <laughs> The one where Matt became an evil dictator? Yes. Like a normal game at my table. <laughs> really? Do you run for that many people like all the time? It's not 12, but I hold on. I, I think like we have been up to nine at some point. It's it's me. Dang, man. Respect. Yeah. Uh, Asha, Rasphira, Freddy, Karkos, Shurg, Willow. Yeah, so that's five, six, seven. And then me. You also have a Willow. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then one time we had, like, two guest characters, and we've had, like, That's one guest lot. character before, so. Yeah, it's weird, but it's, like, it feels weird for me to run a game for, like, only three people, because it's, like, I'm, like I'm used to just having a massive table, or even four. I, like, I'm used to yeah. having, like, seven or eight players that it just feels weird to to have less people to bounce back and forth. I bet combat's a grind. It's it's not so bad. We do round the table and uh, you end up having to have shorter combats that last throughout, like more, but more throughout the day so that more people get into stuff. And splitting the party is actually kind of fun because then it does like the, the dynamic back and forth. Um, and, and my players are also kind of new 
ish. I mean, they've been playing for about a year now. Okay. But, so it it helps them. I think a lot of them appreciate to have extra time at the table to think before their turn. Um. So so like when when it finally comes around to them, like you know, they can kind of like split up and get into teams, and then we kind of go back and forth. It works out pretty well. That's cool. Uh, I'm I'm such a fan of splitting the party. Like I know everybody kind of like craps yeah. on it as like a, this is a way you die right away. But one, it's way more realistic to the story you're telling. Mm-hmm. Almost almost every situation that is not just we're cornered and being attacked by wolves, like your group is going to split up so that all your specialists can do their thing. But it's also, in my opinion, a much more interesting scene when you're like jumping from room <laughs> to room or you're watching multiple things happen because you get as the as the DM, like as the one in charge of pacing, you get to juxtapose moments together like, mm-hmm. you know, the it just a well-timed meanwhile, three floors above you, like can really take a moment to the next level narratively. Yeah. Give them give them a little mini cliffhanger. Yeah. And they're like, no. Just run around an entire battlefield. Then they it gives them a chance to think and plan because it's like a super scary moment. And then when it comes back to you, they're like, oh, okay, here's what we do. Yeah, the trick is just them actually using that time to plan. Instead of, yeah. on their Instead phones. of listening to the other part of the story. I don't think we've had a whole lot of trouble with people being like on their phones at our table. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a couple instances of people being messaging during games and stuff, but we, I think for the most part, we do a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, well, that really killed the conversation. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I didn't, I I didn't just, mean to congratulate no. us on doing something well. I think we suck at it. I take it <laughs> back. I, uh, uh, one thing we haven't done in a while is talk about our character and story arc. Your story circle? Uh, the story mm. circle, yeah. I'd be down to talk about the story circle. Me too. <laughs> um, well, then why don't you go first, Zaka? Yeah. Tell us about the story circle. Um, let's see. where. So he's finally come to the realization that he has to fight and essentially do harm to prevent more harm from being done is the way he sees it. So I think that that part of his arc has has sort of closed up. And so his new arc, what would that be? Um, well, hang on. That's So put that in terms of the story circle, though. So oh, okay. your story circle, you start in a zone of comfort, comfort, you have a desire, and you enter an unfamiliar situation that requires you to adapt, right? I feel yeah. like Zothkug was required to adapt yeah. by coming to terms with the fact that he has to conflict. There's still half the circle left there, right? So when he adapted and, and came to terms with that, he sh- the next thing it's on the story circle is for him to get his desire. What what does he want that led him to like, okay, well, I'm going to have to fight to get to this. Uh, this is, uh, so the reason he's doing this is because he's realized in this quest to essentially save the avatars and protect his friends in, while doing it. Um, I think those are the two big things he's caring about right now since we've had a lot of close calls in recent times, which was led to the um, the one-off that Zoth got. So that's what he wants to get, is, is saving the avatars with everyone alive. So as I see Zoth, now I, I don't know his inner monologue or anything, but the way I see him on the circle is... Is he, he he needs the avatars, like he he needs the avatars to be saved because he needs magic to come back, because he needs his connection to the gods restored. 
yeah. to take Kellen away. Like, like, like that is his yes. core need. Yeah, that's yeah. his desire. And, and I would imagine not even yeah. just for himself, but like for everybody. Like he values it so much that he almost can't stand to live in a world yeah. where the, the gods are just completely disconnected anymore. Yeah. And so he's he's going to like the next part in the circle is you go. So he's been he's been looking for that and searching for it, which is the next one. And is is having to find within himself the capability of violence to to achieve yeah. this. You know, like should should he need to like he needs to he needs to like make his own resolve first. And then we got to see him like struggle through that and to find that and to take it. Yeah. And then when the when the rest of the party met up with him, he's now like returned to the party. A changed man. Changed. Uh, but my yeah. question for him is: Is he happy with the change? Mm. I don't think he's sat with it long enough to know. Like we've just still been on the go so much. Yeah. And I think it's something to explore further um, as thing and for me to think about moving forward is how does he feel about this? I think it's still a bitter taste for him anytime he does anything combat related that isn't just supporting the party. But he has the strength to do it now. Yeah. And each time is probably a little bit more reassuring to him because no one's dying essentially yeah so that's probably something then that we could work on on conveying in session like i have not gotten the impression from zoth that it was difficult for him the times he's fought recently yeah i i need to do better more better like narratively i guess whenever he he attacks but i know combat we we want to move quick and i haven't been able to express that in the time we have and that's my fault but i i, I do think that's how it is another way of looking at that or maybe interpreting that is that maybe in the moment in combat, it doesn't look much different because he's, you know, he's found that capability within himself. But maybe his struggle is in the aftermath. Like, like after all the combat is over and the dust is settled, is settled, and now he's like fighting with his thoughts of like, you know, I'm I'm okay with doing this if it was necessary. Was this necessary? But was yeah, but was this time actually necessary? Um, and and he probably has like a little bit of a, you know, internal struggle there. But then that brings the story circle back around to what's he need? Like, like, I guess maybe the next thing for him to be thinking about on his next arc is what what does he need next? Yeah. I mean, like his his goal and focus hasn't changed. It's just what is going to change within him moving forward. What's the next thing he needs to bring the the avatars back. Pro yes, probably the focus on the avatars. Yeah. Yeah. Like like that isn't going to change. Yeah. Um I think the rod will probably do something to him. Like whatever happens with that that'll sort mm -hmm. of stir up something. So excited for that. That's probably another unfamiliar situation he's entering, yeah. like back in that third stage where you go into the unfamiliar or the unknown. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm intrigued to see if he makes it through the attunement process. I was I was intrigued about the same thing with Jeb. Um, that's not like a foreshadowing that I've stacked it against you. I just like it was really fun to watch Jeb take on a challenge sort of by himself. Like the shoulder angels were there and that was fun. But it was like it was kind of a cool dive into who yeah. the character was, you know, for sure. Like face face their own inner demons. I have complete faith in Zoth. Complete faith. <laughs> I do. I mean, you know, if this well, I mean, if I could if I could metagame a little bit. 
Jeb is not, he does not have a high intelligence. I think his intelligence is like 16 or something like that. That's it's, high? It's not, I, I mean. 16 is significantly above average. No, I, yeah. I get that. But Jeb has, I mean, but Zoth has like a wisdom of 20. Yeah. It's like, like you can't get any higher than that outside of like a, a outside of attuning of to a rod of wisdom like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if I've been playing him super wise though. I don't know if I've been. It's hard to pl- like role play mental attributes that are different from yours. That's one of the places where um, dice become involved. Yeah, like one of the ways that you role play something that is yeah. is better than you is to do your best attempt at role playing it. And then roll for it and explain that I'm rolling because I'm better at this than I'm able to to replicate. Like, for example, if you're playing a super charismatic bard who's supposed to be like, you know, smooth talking his way past a guard, but you're not a particular like con artist. Yeah. Then you would say something like, hey, buddy, you want to let me in there? I'm going to roll persuasion because I'm really good at persuading, even though I don't have the words right now on the (laughs) tip of my tongue. And, you know, and so that's a way where you can let the, the skill ranks. Meatug Massacre, I love the tomato analogy. Yeah. yeah. Charisma is being able to sell somebody a tomato-based fruit salad. <laughs> yep. The, the reply that I think that's is funny stuff. to that is, that's just salsa. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So so let's talk about Jeb. Yeah. Where, where do you think Jeb is on his... Because we started this campaign at the resolution of a story for Jeb. Yeah. I, I, think, I think Jeb's looking for something. I, I think he needs something. Like I, I, I think he's back to neutral. He's back to order right now. Um, he hasn't really sniffed out or picked up anything that he desperately needs. And I think I've been intentionally doing that just to kind of give Alan a chance to shine. Um, you know, like it's been like he, he just had almost like an entire arc centered around him, you know, left and right. And so I'm trying to try to keep him in the background and maybe like work on little things or, and be a, a bit more of a supporting cast. Um, I've been trying to, to focus his spells on, on bolstering the other players, um, you know, giving them advantageous situations or whatnot. It, it felt like for a little bit, like maybe his, his new motivator was trying to come to a resolution on what happened to his daughter's soul. Yeah. But lately it's felt like that's kind of slid back into like the background. So I don't know if maybe that's not his motivation anymore. Well, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a thing for time and place. Like he, he definitely does care about his daughter. Um, it's just, you know, he's, he, I, I feel like he's kind of outvoted. Um, even though the, there wasn't a vote on that, he, I, I wanted to do a thing before we went traveling um, it was, I forget where it was, but he, you know, he's a, he's a wizard. He's a tinkerer. He wants to like figure out the systems of the world and the afterlife and how that all works. Um, and I wanted to, to take the cypher truck to his daughter's grave and see if he could ascertain if her spirit was left behind and wandering and that if he had provided um, a mini weave with the rod if it would allow her to pass on. Um, but like, but we were already traveling. We were like, the, our name had been tarnished. We had to get out of Tumbleweb. And it, it just like, it didn't work on, work out. Things moved on. Uh, like a bunch of time went by. And then like he wakes up and we're like on the other side of the continent, kind of like. Um, and then there was a couple of things that happened. I don't remember the exact facts of the lore. 
I think it was when he was talking to Gamte, not Gamteus, Garlo. Uh, Garlo. Yeah, where he had learned a little. It, it was something about how how like the passing on would work, or or like maybe the 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 weave that he has in the rod wouldn't accomplish that. Um, and so it was like, well, I, I don't need to experiment with that anymore. Like, you know, like it was a good idea, but we're not going to like, like now the rush is to bring magic back. Like that's the way to do this. Let's not waste time traveling for a month to experiment. Um, we need to invest that into getting this resolved sort of a thing. Um, but I, I don't, I don't remember if that was how that was all ironed out or not. I'll have to go back and listen to the episodes a third time and see if I can remember. <laughs> but I'll, I'd say that the the safety of his daughter's soul is probably like his his top prior. Like that's his impetus right now. That kind of like Zoth not wanting to live in a world without the gods connected to it is kind of like his his pie in the sky, like big upper echelon yeah. driving force he doesn't like the idea of her soul just looming right like, right nothing. like that's that is why he is trying to bring magic back to the world and i think we talked about that before like he he had almost for a little while yeah. was like well i've got mine and you know yeah. it, it, wingle digits are here so it's not terrible but then we like learned that there is the lie of wingle digits aren't sustainable and and all of that so now it's it's back to no, this this needs to happen, and and not only does it need to happen for the good of the world, it needs to happen because of my daughter. Like yeah. I need Ooh. to do that, but he doesn't really have any any smaller steps towards that, you know. Like uh, other than finding rescuing the avatars and finding the rods, he he doesn't have any immediate needs. Like his his debt's already been paid off. Um, you know, there's there's like the company that he's excited to to have to run, but it's like. That's not a huge priority right now, but I'm kind of cool with him being there. Like it's okay for him to be in that neutral state and not really have an immediate need because that lets him play support. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question, Billy. Uh, Wash, if you bring magic back, would you send her soul on to her ultimate fate or use magic to restore her life? If the spirit is willing, and depending upon how much time, like it would have to be a really powerful well, resurrection spell. The true resurrection um, would work. If we get that far. Well, yeah, but that's like a ninth yeah. level spell <laughs> or yep. like whatever it is. It's like really high up there. That'd be level I um, think 18. 18 cleric. Yeah, it's it's pretty high up. I think Jeb would probably want to try to patch things up with Holly first. Um, I don't I don't know if he would bring her back. If, I, if I'm being honest, because it's like so much time has passed. And it's like it would, it, you know, if she's in a better place. And now he's old and grizzled <laughs> and wouldn't be able to be like, you know, uh, a, the young family again. You, you know, it's almost like that time is probably past, maybe. But he just wants to ensure that she's okay and that she's not like in torment or anything. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I have to think about that. Sorry, it's level 17 that Soth would get his first ninth level spell. Nice. And you're level 7, seven yeah. right now? 6, 7, 7? Yep. Seven. Yep. Almost there, Ten guys. Levels Ten levels go. away. That's not nah. that bad. You know. You know, it's not like it's just three levels more than yeah. everything that we've gone through <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so like give it a year and a half from now and maybe maybe we'll be talking about it. You know, yeah. We'll come back to this episode, be like, this hasn't aged well. Twenty twenty five. Yeah, for real. 
Yeah, what are your thoughts on on the leveling progression? Do you feel like it's been painfully slow? I'm Do you feel happy. like it's been a good pace? Do you feel you know like how's that how's that been feeling for you? I feel like it's been a good pace. It's been. A good I feel pace. like it's been a good pace. I feel yeah. feel happy with it. Like it, it's enough where it's like right when I start saying, eh, I wish I had another level right now. Like we get it within like two or three sessions after that. If I could, if I could change Jeb's progression or like tweak anything about his progression, I would probably just want him to be able to learn more spells, mm. like to find more scrolls. I, I was talking to somebody about this, how it's a little weird in that like the world is kind of magicless and like you can't just go to a shop and be like hey what spells do you have in in stock there it's like you're having to like search for them and dig them up and from archaeological digs or whatever so it makes it a bit more of a challenge but like having i'm learning that having more spells is is useful but it's not like broken useful because it's like you can still only prepare so many Yeah. yeah and you have to you know, then it becomes like this big game of like trying to figure out, like predict what's going to happen the next yeah. day so that you can. That's always the hard and part. And then you're trying to play 5D chess with an Aboleth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that if there was anything, I would like to I would like to be able to do that. But also everything that we do runs on money. And it's like it's really hard yeah. to scribe that stuff into his book and choose like, should we be able to travel for three days or should I get this spell? Yeah. <laughs> and there's been a couple of times where. You know, Jeb's in charge of the the purse right now, the the money command. So I'm just like, eh, we'll just we'll just grab this one. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we ran out. We're gonna have to use the rotate to pull the cart. Eh, Wonder what happened to all of our Wingle digits, guys. Fox, have you been have you been reaching into the Wingle pouch again? <laughs> I don't think the party's noticed, but I have literally skimmed money off of it and learned a couple spells when we traveled. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you, you get to Gaim and uh, Jeffrey is just like, we need to have a talk, sir. <laughs> I mean, it's been out of what we had on us. It's not like company coffers or anything like that. But I, yeah. Reporting live for Tumbleweb Today, leading company <laughs> founder, charged with embezzlement. <laughs> I'm also really interested to see our our like, um, our like division heads like become more relevant, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was a fun session that or fun time we had where we got to pick them and come up with their personalities. And I, I can't wait to see more of that. When we get closer to like yeah, Gaim same. and stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited to go to Gaim. Yeah. And like almost, you know, return to home base. And we haven't really been. Yeah. Which is I'm, funny because really you've never been that. to home <laughs> yeah. base. Like you're just going to yeah. get there for the first time. But it is it is a return to home base. You're at least returning to home people, yeah. right? Like, um, yeah. And Mr. Prophecy um, being there. So that'll that'll. It's like an, be cool. in Phantom Pain yeah. heading back to Mother Base. Yeah. And uh, like all of your guys are there. And, we're just gonna. We're oh, I need to make a spell that just Fulton's things back to the to the to the mother base <laughs> to to the headquarters. We need to create like a permanent teleportation circle in the cipher truck to base. That would be chat amazing. wants. Amazing. Chat wants Jeb to find the cipher that Makar was using for <laughs> vortex work. <laughs> it's on this list. Yeah, and the problem with recovering ciphers from the dead is that every time you use a cipher, you're like eating away at your ability to get the long term version of the magic because yeah. it's all Wingle digits. And so that's the like that's kind of an interesting tension to watch the party navigate. You know, like what's the opportunity cost of getting the spell now, even though it means that in the long term, like if I find this spell, I might not be able to inscribe it yet or or whatever. Yeah. I don't think we've ever attempted to lift a spell out of a cipher because I think that I've talked about it before, and you're like, once it's already been loaded, like it's 
it's like a part of the cipher. Yes. Like yeah. it's written into the circuitry of it or something. That is the case. So we would almost have to get Owlin to, or like the Department of Cool Stuff to figure out how to to extract, you know, spells from ciphers that have already been written in there. If only you had any contacts from a previous season who had built a whole business out of reverse engineering Wingle Digits. If only you knew anybody who was in that business. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm mm. curious about is, is Yeh still in contact with his, um, I guess, friend? Groot? Yeah, Groot. Um, and, like, is Yeah going to try and make uh, another or his own Myconid um, colony? Like, or is he just gathering more information, reporting back, and, like, just helping Groot and the home colony grow? Like, what's going to happen with that? Not that that's of any consequence to well it might be of consequence to our story i don't know how it would tie in but (laughs) another just small detail that um would be fun to think about the um the callbacks to like past things are some of my favorite parts of a DD campaign and we've just started to reach the length where i can do them for real (laughs) Mm -hmm. um like i mean even bringing back makar like you know is something that um, we couldn't have really done in the early seasons because we or the early oh, episodes because no. we didn't know Alan well enough to bring back people from his past. Yeah. But um, bringing back characters and encounters and stuff from the past, like we got something back from a cry a little while ago, and you know stuff like that, where it's like, ooh, little Easter egg. We did. Well, I guess it was more than a little while ago now. But when, like, you know, you met a cry, and then like four or five episodes later, he came back to you with some information yeah. based on Zoth's vision. Oh, that's right. The the, the um, like those kind of callbacks it paid out like our. Like we sent him off, and then yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot to look forward to in future episodes, and we definitely have a lot of content to to reference, look back on, and and we have a wiki, which is yeah. cool. Thanks, yeah. uh, Belly Savalas, for starting that. That's pretty. It neat. is very cool. I still want to know what was going on with that unget undead girl in the crack house, that was like protecting spoopy girl, keeping dudes out of the trap door thing. I thought we found that out. I don't think we found out who she was. I thought she was. I don't know, but she was tasked by the Avatar to protect it. Or was that someone else? I think she was tasked by... She may have been tasked by an Avatar, but she was, like, keeping things out of the trap. Yeah. Which we now know was, like, sucking energy out of things and stuff. I believe it was the Nature Avatar. Um, Setonia? What's her name? Yeah, Setonia. I believe. I'd have to go back and listen to it. Serotonin? Serotonin. But, like, we tried to get her to come with us or, like, to, to get her to stop because, you know, she was physically not well, but she was determined and held her post, essentially. Josh is like, I know. <laughs> There's, I know. well, no, do you guys want to, do you guys want a brookie crumb about this? <laughs> no, I was thinking there's actually, the, the nugget about this is actually on the wiki. Ooh. A nuggie, <laughs> one might say. It won't tell you specifically who she was, but there's definitely some information regarding why she was doing what she was doing available on the wiki. You can put a couple of the pieces together. We should, we should, uh, Belly, can you drop a link to the wiki in the chat? Yeah. Or I could do it. Is it? <laughs> what wiki wiki what <laughs> dot wiki. <yeah. laughs> it's like blah, 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 blah. Is it pinned in the discord somewhere? Belly's in the chat going, whale, well, whale. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you came crawling back to me. <laughs> Look what the chat dragged in. Winged dash badger dash tavern dot fandom dot com. What? I forgot what I was going to say. That's 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 weird. Go to our about section and 
uh, hop in our Discord. You can get it there. Thank you, Belly. This this is awesome. We got all of our character sheets in there. Have you not seen it yet, uh, Trevor? No, I have. I, I saw it when it was first okay. like like put out and tested and everything. Uh, but I, there's more here than when I last looked at it. I like that there's one called What We Know We Think. <laughs> yeah. We should. Well, I don't know if we should. So I didn't bring back the conspiracy boards this season because now we're we're not really putting lots of clues together as much as we are just kind of following leads we already yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like we need the conspiracy board again? Like, should we bring it back just like for old time's sake? Or do you think that's like... I kind of think that the wiki should kind of take the place of the conspiracy board. Like if we could get all of that stuff into here. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think that this is probably a better place for it. Like I I like the map, but even even these, you can have like interactive maps with pins on them to different pages and stuff like that. That's pretty, pretty versatile. You can see the bottom of the map in our, in our overlay. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You can see the, The, some of the the south corners. (laughs) Yeah. Or actually, that might be the north. I can't remember. I think that's the south, though. I'm going to need to add Jebby P to Jebediah's nicknames list. Yeah. In his <laughs> Jeb's page. aliases. Are you Ron Tater Salad White? <laughs> <laughs> Are you Jeb Jebby P Peppermint? <laughs> amazing. It is amazing. You know what else is amazing? What's that? You guys. Oh. You're amazing, too, Josh. Oh. We're all amazing. I mean, I've said it before. I will say it again. Josh, you're a really good DM. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. This is definitely one of my favorite campaigns ever, ever played in. Oh, definitely my favorite as a player. Absolutely, 100%. Well, I'm glad that you guys are having fun. I can't say as a DM just because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't want to compete with myself. So. Well, I mean, how could I compete with you? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, how could anyone Touché. compete with themselves, you know? Yeah. One thing, too. They have to compete with, with yesterday's self. We haven't mentioned are the, the one-shots we've done. Those have been really fun, too. They were fun. Yeah. The Christmas, uh, we had the one where we played villains. That one where we played villains, Wash, was so much fun. <laughs> and getting to reuse that lair was, like, in my opinion, <laughs> one of my best moments. That was great. Like during playing, that was pretty one good. of them. The one of the moments where in my evil like laboratory, I held up my pencil and went, "Aha!" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> was it was it Matt who had like the big revelation reaction? Like it took him. He was the last one, and then he was just like, "Wait a minute." I don't know if he was last or first. I think he might have been first, but he definitely was like, because he was the first one in the room. Yeah. So he was in there and I was describing it and it was making more and more sense to him as I said it. And I think the one that did it at the end was I said one of the one of the stone obelisks actually turned out to be made <laughs> of ivory. And he went, wait a minute. <laughs> the normal sized throne of bones. Mitch the Lich. <laughs> Mitch the Lich. He's got thrown of bones. You know. Yeah, that was that was a great As you do, bro. That was a great time. Playing level 20 <laughs> monsters was very interesting. The fashionable aspect of Tiamat. Tiamat's fashion sense. Fashionable aspect of Tiamat. Oh my goodness. Color coordinated. That's right. The construct controlled by a kraken. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that. Good times. Very good. Yep, that's fun. The 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 king casting prismatic wall across around the castle was that like one of your inspirations for like one of the kings of the ages past and the the prismatic wall and the rod no i um i actually like isolated myself from like the riddles that are available on the internet to make that to try and like really delve into mm. the narrative of the story instead of like what's a good riddle and then how can i make it fit backwards into a dungeon which is what i've done sometimes in the past yeah and this time i wanted to start from like how would something that was testing your intelligence challenge you and then build up from there 
rather than like, how do I make this riddle that I already know fit into the thing I have? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so it, it made it really interesting. That is an interesting way to approach. I've definitely done both where I've homebrewed some puzzles and riddles and stuff, but I've also like adapted puzzles and stuff that I've, I've liked seeing online. And I'm cooking up something special for you with the, the Rod so of Wisdom. Excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the Rod of Wisdom. Should we do the shoulder angels again? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm 100% on board with those shoulder angels. I'm excited to be able to do... A, a tiny high-pitched voice <laughs> jeb shoulder angel <laughs> are you gonna try and do it live can we get a teaser no no i'll, let's, I'll no. i think it'd be more okay. funny if i did his voice and then you changed it <laughs> it'll be more accurate if you do it in like the voice that you know and then i pitch yeah. it up it'll it'll sound better <sighs> better my key lime pie is getting to me uh-oh uh-oh wait chris you made the good guys i didn't know that yeah so the 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 i again like josh um, where he was like, hey, Chris, would you make me like characters? Um, way back before that, in the before times, I was like, hey, Chris, I'm having them fight, like play monster stat blocks, but I need like a super powered team of of PCs for them to play against. Would you make me some? And he was like, yeah, man. And then we... So those, those were all him and you guys destroyed well, him. Uh, yeah, and then we, with the expanded source... CR 20 was no longer the limit of how powerful we could become. So when I played a CR 35 aspect of Tiamat. It's also, it's also a really hard balancing high level combat. Yeah. And then doing it all in one shot. Yeah. Like not having multiple episodes to it. And Yeah. There's my, there's my hot take about DMing. Balancing combat is overrated. Yeah. Yeah. I concur. I try and make it like fair or like i don't want to make it too powerful for the party and i don't want it to like especially like a boss fight i don't want it to feel too easy or too i I want it to feel challenging i should my friends yes it has been fun it has always at that time but i must bring our evening to a close because i need to go to work in six hours (laughs) (laughs) means you'll work on that pie well yeah if i can even wake up from the key lime pie coma (laughs) that i'm about to go into then i'll go to work tomorrow